it's working yes it is okay so I'll put that back this way and we got that going okay good okay so uh, let's see would you like to start with the hi it's Mark Pogue and you're listening to classic Christian rock radio then we play that all the time so okay 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 one two three <laughs> I'll give you a minute to clear your throat one two three and go Hi, this is Mark Pogue, and you're listening to Christian Classic Rock Radio. That's take one, but it's actually, <laughs> that's okay. Classic. Rob Castles did the same thing. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's Classic Christian Rock Radio. There's another station similar to ours. So. <laughs> so, okay. Okay, so Classic Christian Rock Radio. Okay, so once again, one, two, three. Hi, this is Mark Pogue, and you're listening to Classic Clish- Christian Okay. Try that again. again. That's okay. We won't use that. (laughs) (laughs) So I do this first. Get it out of the way. Loosen up. Okay. One, two, three, go. Hi, this is Mark Pogue, and you're listening to Classic Christian Rock Radio. Perfect. Okay, great. (laughs) Okay. So, Mark, uh, we put this together, and we have a show on Sunday nights called Time Machine. So um, we've often had older interviews and things so we thought we'd get some more fresher ones from a lot of the artists that are still either still going or still around and um, so we play everything before the year 2000 I guess and you're in that so it's great and anything that's recorded after of course (laughs) you're still considered to us a classic Christian rock artist so we'll play every album you ever make so (laughs) anyway Okay, uh-huh. so when did you start in music, and what instrument did you start on first? Okay. Uh, yeah, I started when I was 11 years old uh, playing guitar, uh, but I had to take a couple of years of piano lessons at the request of my mother before I could get a uh, guitar. So I guess uh, I started around nine playing piano, but that was reading and, and uh playing songs that I really didn't want to play per se, Uh, but uh, even before then, you know, I I grew up in church, so I was in church choirs and children's choirs and all that kind of thing, so um, I was exposed to music pretty much from the get-go. I was actually adopted as a baby, and one of the prerequisites was uh, that my parents had to bring me up in music because my real parents had musical backgrounds, so... Mm -hmm. That was already included, but uh, I really kind of start my evolution of playing uh, at 11 when I got uh, my first guitar. And at that point, as soon as I got it, I pretty much, uh, you know, played hours and hours a day from that point on. They used to uh, print whatever the top 40 was. They would print a song a week in, in the local newspaper and uh, so I'd figure out what the chords were and, and start playing those until uh, we started guitar lessons or until I started guitar lessons. And then uh, that lasted for about a year and a half. Uh, but I was playing so much by ear, I pretty much bypassed the, the teacher and, and passed him up as far as the lessons were going. So at that point, I just started playing by ear. Uh, and also, by the time I was 13, I uh, started playing drums in the in the school band. Uh, and I was like an all-city drummer uh, as far as reading and playing, you know, snare drum and percussion and that kind of thing. Through mm-hmm. all the way into college, got scholarships uh, in college because you know they always want people to play in their you know jazz band, symphonic band, uh, all that kind of stuff. So. <clears throat> So uh, I was involved in all of that and won some awards here and there for Jazz Educators Awards, uh, Songwriters Awards in 1983. I think I got an honorable mention for a song that I had uh, sent then uh, to the American Song Festival, which is kind of a national thing. And then uh, about the same time, I had entered a, a couple of other contests and in uh, Texas that were 
you know, Miller Beer actually sponsored called Rock to Riches. Mm. And I had a song place in Houston, a song place in San Antonio that they were playing on the radio there. And uh, so uh, that was kind of pretty much the, the evolution. I was just playing playing uh, in, I guess, garage bands when I first got started, and you know, when I was 13, mm -hmm. 14. And uh, by the time I was 17, then uh, I had moved out on my own and started playing uh, whatever the local venues uh, would would allow me. So, you know, they were either, uh, you know, like parties or, or some of the clubs and different things that, that would allow us to come in. And at that time, I was playing all original music, too. Mm. <clears throat> so... And that was probably more akin to progressive rock than anything else because it didn't fit the three-minute format. And, <laughs> it, and I had another guitar player with me, so we would go back and forth playing lead solos, and our songs were, you know, like 15 minutes long, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, uh, And it would, you know, we'd change tempos and change rhythms and, you know, just like stringing songs together with lead solos in between, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So that was probably as close as that kind of got reintroduced later on when I uh, had the opportunity to play with Neil Morse. Mm -hmm. But um, but anyway, once I got to that point where, where they were playing my songs locally on Texas radio, uh, I had uh, gotten married there in, uh, I guess it was 1982, <clears throat> and... Um, Things were starting to fall apart in our marriage. I had just moved to Houston and uh, was working construction for my parents' construction company that that my dad was running uh, with his brother. And uh, so then I would, on weekends, I'd go to either San Antonio where we had free studio time available. Um, mainly it was San Antonio. So my wife was getting bored because... You know, she was just there in Houston. We were both from Corpus Christi. So, no, she didn't have any friends up there, you know, and she felt pretty much abandoned. Things were just kind of falling apart. So uh, she left some uh, during the first year of our marriage, and uh, that's what was kind of like a wake-up call for me as, as to, you know, where my life was leading me. So, uh, you know, I started thinking about, you know, the progression of my life at that point. Before then, I mean, from the time I was 11, the only thing I wanted to do was play music and make that my future living. So uh, that was pretty much my goal from the time I was 11. So uh, when, you know, the whole thing of, you know, divorce came up, that kind of rocked my world, and so I started searching for answers and, and uh, you know, seeking out, calling, you know, call, uh, calling out to God and praying to God. And, uh, you know, it's funny when you get in a circumstance where where you're desperate and you need to hear from God, you will hear from God. Mm -hmm. So God uh, spoke to my heart, spoke to the fact that I was heading down a self-destructive path, uh, you know, because with playing clubs and all that kind of thing, there were definitely drugs involved and the availability of that kind of thing and when you're the player on the stage everybody wants to give you stuff so yeah. I mean and it's hard to turn that stuff down when you're in that lifestyle and and doing that kind of thing because it's part of the social you know parameters of what you're doing so um, so anyway uh, in conjunction with that, my mother was picking up on what was going on, and she sent a um, minister of music from her church over to the house, uh, you know, just to, to talk to me. And so, I mean, I was willing to, to talk about the situation because obviously it was on my mind and, you know, I was struggling with what was going on. So, um, you know, he asked me and you know, if I had a relationship with the God, with you know, with the Lord, I said, well, you know, I grew up in church, <laughs> all that type of thing. But you know, as far as am I living for God? You know, no way. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much living for myself, trying to do do my own thing here. So, uh, you know, so the the double witness there, hearing from God and then hearing Him uh, in a very non-judgmental way, just saying, 
you know, I'm here for you. If you want to pray, you know, let me know. And and so we did pray, and uh, you know, God God heard my prayer and and started moving in my life and telling me, you know, first, you know, you're going to need to sever <clears throat> ties with the with the band you're playing in because you know you're at this point you're not strong enough to to stand against everything that's coming against you. So so I did that. I quit quit the band they all thought I was crazy because they had played with me for years and it's like why would you stick through all the bad times and then when it gets good throw in the towel <laughs> yeah yeah when they're playing your songs and you're getting offers to to you know play with at the time you know Brian Adams and Pat Travers mm-hmm. and all these different things at yeah. the Houston Rock Fest and and Eddie Money's promoter wanted to start using us to open up shows down there in Texas wow and at that point, I was just like, nope, can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it anymore. <laughs> so it was a disappointment mm-hmm. to the band, but, uh, you know, it was just the beginning of, of me, you know, getting my life right before God. So uh, so I started, you know, that, that process, and it wasn't uncontested either. Mm. The enemy always likes to try to throw a kink in the, in the plans. Yeah. And, you know, we had uh, a guy just showed up at my door from Corpus, and this I was living in Houston, mm-hmm. and uh, he was one of the old party friends, and, you know, he goes, well, I don't have a place to stay, but I knew I could come here, and, you know, and you'd take me in, I'm and, uh, you know, so he stayed for a while, which was making it even harder to, uh, you know, to make that transition, you know, mm-hmm. into living for the Lord, so finally we had to part ways, and he had to, he had to leave, and that kind of a thing, at least it was... It wasn't on an unfriendly base. He understood where I was coming from, but he understood that that I had to draw a line in the sand and and that you know I couldn't let him drag me down. So mm-hmm. so those those kind of things were all going uh, going around. And as I went to church, uh, God orchestrated a series of of events that uh, started the restoration of our marriage. Uh, and we got. Uh, divorced a year after uh, we were married and it was seven years before you know before uh, God had restored my marriage but mm-hmm. at, the, at the very beginning I mean I, I felt you know justified as as most people in their own minds the heart always justifies what you know what the mind wants to do so <clears throat> but uh, God has Usually has a, a way of cutting through all that malarkey. Yeah, amen. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, he orchestrated a, a series of events. He put me around a, a group of really strong Christians, which were actually a, a Christian group uh, of their own that were kind of based out of this church. It was in the same church that uh, Wayne Watson was a member of mm-hmm. at the time. It's called Champion Forest Baptist down in in Houston. Yeah, and. Um, there's a, a producer he, who's now a, a Grammy Award-winning producer, works with Michael W. Smith all the time, guy uh-huh. named Brian Lennox. Uh-huh. And uh, he went to that that uh, church, and he was uh, majoring in music down in North Texas, and so he sometimes he was gone. But when he was there, we had a Christian group together, and we started working and playing locally uh, for different Christian events, raised money to go to a to a mission program, and so we went to Australia and and uh, did some mission work uh, down there, and went to New Zealand and whatnot, and came back. And uh, you know, during during that time, they had a uh, a group of people come to uh, called Life Action Ministries that came to this church. And to do a, an actual revival, which the the revival they do, I mean, they do it like every night for you know like a, a week or two, and so usually when you're when you're that intense, you know, God will show up and and break out in a mm-hmm. pretty miraculous way. So yeah. one of the things that you know is first <clears throat> on any if you're wanting to see revival is repentance. So. Yeah. You know, and a lot of those things, you know, some of those questions seem like really, you know, trivial at first when you when you start thinking of them, you know, well, you know, is there any relationships you have, any 
anything wrong with that, that need to be made straight. Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking about, hmm, well, let me pray about that, you know. <laughs> Definitely have some problems with the with my ex-wife. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, when I left home when I was 17 to go out and do on do things on my own and play music, I knew that that uh, kind of left a, a sour uh, sour taste in my parents' mouth yeah, because you know yeah. they they were trying to keep me from playing you know clubs and venues and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know I was pretty headstrong and and so you know as soon as I was 17 I was out on my own doing it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, so I uh, I went back to to both of them and and uh, you know asked for their forgiveness and just wanted to make sure that that my relationship was right and uh, I mean it, it had a dramatic effect on on Mita when I did that because mm -hmm. we had actually we had actually gone to court and she had uh, basically basically had uh, convinced the court that she should have uh, she should have custody of, of our daughter who was like one one or two at the time um, so you know, I would have to go down there and get, uh, you know, anytime I wanted to see my daughter and pick her up for a weekend. She was in Corpus at that time, and I was in Houston. Hmm. This is after the, the divorce. Yeah. So uh, I went down there and, and uh, you know, said, hey, you know, I want to apologize for not being the husband that I should have been. And, and uh, you know, God really moved on my heart, and I, I feel like I need to, at least as much as I can, make this make this right and let you know that I'm, I'm sorry about that and take responsibility for for my end of what I did wow. and it seemed to really break the animosity before then I mean there was pretty much total animosity and resistance anytime I went to, to pick up my daughter mm. I mean it was just you're a hindrance you know you shouldn't be here but because the court says you can I guess I have to put up with it and that kind of thing mm. but uh, after I took responsibility and asked for her forgiveness. That seemed to break that that cycle. Seemed to break that animosity mm -hmm. down. That was kind of the first step <clears throat> to uh, to seeing our marriage restored. And at that point, it really wasn't it really wasn't uh, in my mind to see our marriage restored that much. But God began moving on me. This is another thing uh, that the Lord did. I was. Uh, just reading through the Bible when I got to Malachi uh, well it's either two or three but mm -hmm. when I got to, to Malachi I read the verses where it says God hates divorce and yeah. you know because he he desires to see godly offspring and you know he's been a witness between you and the wife of your youth that that uh, you know that you have dealt treacherously and all this kind of thing and that was mm -hmm. about the same time as I went and and you know asked for her forgiveness but in conjunction with that, uh, God, I, I thought I heard God speaking to my heart because one of the things, my response to to Him when I read that, it seemed like the, the words popped off the page and just, mm -hmm. you know, got really big and I felt the conviction. And so I repented and said, God, if there's anything I can do to, to change that or, or to reverse it, I would do it. And He said, fine. I'm going to restore your marriage. And I was oh, wow. thinking, that's kind of odd. Why, that, why did that thought come to my head? <laughs> Here, let me hit my head a couple of yeah. times and make that thought go out. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, it's it's funny, you know, people say, you know, some people have a problem with you even hearing from God, think that's, you know, yeah. you hear oh, we do. people making fun of that on TV and the yeah. radio, you know, yeah. <laughs> some of these talk shows. And, uh, but yeah, you know when you're hearing from God when it's not lining up with your wants, but it does line up with the Bible. <laughs> Amen. That's right. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, and and there's always there's always more. He he will always uh, you know not just leave it with one thing. I mean he there's more there's many witnesses that come in conjunction where God is is saying, yep, that's me. Yeah, and so you know it says in the mouth of, of uh, two or more witnesses, let every word be established. So mm -hmm. uh, you know from from that point on, I mean he kept. Uh, 
I mean, not from everybody, but, you know, he let me know that that was his intention to, to restore my marriage. And so once I became convinced of that, then I couldn't be persuaded otherwise. You know, I, I put my faith in him, and, you know, once he had uh, let me know enough times that that was his will, then it didn't really matter what anybody else said or, you know, because I've had pastors, even uh, people that were in my, particularly people that were in my own family saying, you know, you have no, you know, no responsibility to try to restore your marriage. You know, you should mm. just go on and do, you know, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, I know you're well-meaning and, you know, people would come and, and try to, you know, persuade me otherwise. <clears throat> but once I was convinced that it was uh, God and his will, then then I, uh, you know, kept moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, um, now, uh, also at the time, I was majoring in music at uh, Houston Baptist University after our after our divorce, mm-hmm. and um, uh, some of my friends, which uh, were Brian and uh, another producer is named Greg Jampol, who has since passed away, were mm-hmm. both at Rivendale Recorders, and uh, that was a a studio in Houston that a lot of uh, classic Christian albums were being recorded at. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of the uh, early Petra stuff uh, was recorded there. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost all the Wayne Watson stuff yeah. was recorded there. Uh, just you know, just a ton of. They had a lot of Morgan Cryer stuff yeah. was, was being recorded there. Yeah. So. Um, so anyway, I was I came home from school one day and and my mother said, you know, oh by the way, you got to call uh, some guy named Morgan Cryer <laughs> wants uh, wants to talk to you about uh, about playing and I was going what <laughs> you know because I you know I'd heard the songs on the radio his, mm-hmm. his first album yeah. you know Secrets was already on Christian hit radio yeah and uh, you know I was I, I thought it was like a joke I thought one of my friends had. Uh, you know, it was playing a joke on me. So I called them up and said, you know, okay, which one of you called and said that, <laughs> that uh, you know, you were Morgan Cryer and was calling me about playing? And they said, no, no, we were up at the, the studio. And, and they called the studio manager, or Morgan did, and said, I'm going to need another guitar player. Mm. Uh, do you know anybody? And so we said you. And so, so yeah, give him a call. And so uh, I did, and and... It was. Uh, it seemed like it was a real easy fit. I mean, I just went went to uh, his apartment at the time there in Houston, and he looked over my resume. I played with the uh, Continental Singers, I think, during one of the summers, mm. and uh, so there was, you know, a little bit of road experience as well as you know the BC before Christ yeah. uh, things. So. Uh, he looked at it and we kind of prayed together and he goes, okay, well, uh, rehearsal starts next week, uh, this time if you want to meet, uh, and then here's a list of our gigs, you know, we'll play for, we'll rehearse for like, a, a week or two and then the, you know, the first gig is such and such a date, which was at the end of the two weeks, it was his home church mm-hmm. and then Astro World and then by the, uh. I think it was like by the fourth gig, I was playing in front of sixty thousand people at <laughs> wow. at, at, uh, at creation at the creation festival. So it yeah, was like a, those are good. It was like a check. Those were. It went from five hundred to fifteen hundred <clears> at Astro World, and wow. Then the fourth gig, I looked out and people were like ants. <laughs> and I was going, oh my gosh! <laughs> but I mean, I was loving it, and it was it was one of those things where you just feel the 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 uh, the goodness of God. I mean, it says in the, in the Bible that yeah. the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Amen. I mean, God had my He had my best interest in mind. He knew my heart's desire, and and He was meeting that in ways that I wouldn't have even anticipated. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to play, you know, local venues and you know places that are filled with smoke and <laughs> you know. And uh, people that are drunk and stumbling around and stuff, and yeah. and here he was putting me in a place that would honor him in front of a heck of a lot more people, and uh, surrounded by people who who had the love of God in their hearts, and, and you know, so there weren't there weren't any drugs or anything like that going on. So mm. 
uh, it was just uh, an amazing thing that, that God opened those doors. And so as soon as he did, I mean, we were playing six weeks on, mm -hmm. uh, one week off, and then we'd go for another six weeks. I mean, we played anywhere and everywhere with, with the Morgan Cryer Band. Wow. Um, and it was it was an amazing it was an uh, amazing adventure and uh, eventually uh, Morgan decided he was going to move back up here to Nashville. He had previously lived here mm -hmm. at, at some point, <clears throat> and um, uh, at the same time uh, Brian Brian Lennox uh, you know was wanting to uh, make the the connection with uh, Michael W. Smith. Yep better and be in the area and the guy from Continental Singers a guy named Jim Chafee mm -hmm. said well if you ever want to get on a Christian tour you need to be up here yeah. where they're <laughs> rehearsing and picking the people that go on those tours mm -hmm. so we decided well that's what we need to do and and uh, from another perspective I was thinking you know as long as I'm home with my parents that's not showing my wife any reason why she would want to you know come live with me if if you know God wants to restore my marriage within a shorter period of time, you know I had no idea it was going to be seven years. But you know, so I was thinking that as well. Uh, and I, I do remember uh, one night praying, you know, you know, God, what do you think about me going? And He says, uh, just to my heart, He goes, uh, "It won't be easy, but you can go." <clears throat> so I was going, won't be easy. How can it, you know, <laughs> things are a, heck of a lot easier now than they used to be. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would remember those words later, you know, uh, having been here since. But uh, still, I mean, I, I, I don't think I would have changed anything. I don't think I would have stayed there in Houston because, uh, like, one of my best friends was moving here the you know, the artist I was playing for moved here. So, I mean, it was yeah. pretty much just all opening up for me. Yeah. And so uh, I moved up here, but uh, right <laughs> after I did, there was a uh, dispute between, I think they got a new president at Star Song Records. Mm. And we saw how much money we were spending on the road with Morgan. I think we were spending more than, than we were pulling in in record sales and that kind of thing. So... Mm. All of a sudden, the dates came to a screeching halt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so uh, I ended up, you know, working at a self-serve, uh, well, not self -serve, at, a, at a gas station yeah. location in downtown mm -hmm. Nashville. So, uh, but, I mean, God even opened up doors there, not not in uh, as much as a, as a mu in a musical way as, as uh you know, there were there were like homeless people yep. that were living around that, and that kind of started a, a ministry where I started ministering to the guys that were, you know, in our uh, car wash during the the winter to keep warm oh, and wow. sleeping around by our dumpsters. Yeah. So I got to know some of them and started ministering to to them, taking them to church and different things and. So, I mean, God was, Wonderful. was showing me different. Awesome. He was showing me different things that, about yes. you know, his heart and what he's about. You know, it's not all about music. It's all about people. So. Amen. So there was there were some some things. Probably the biggest compliment I had one time is uh, somebody came in to this, this shell station when I was there, and there was a homeless guy on his knees praying to receive God Ew. at the front counter right there at the register. I was leading him in, a, wow. in the center. In the sinner's prayer, and some guy walked in and said, "What is this? A gas station or a mission?" Man, he was like coming in. Yes, Lord, and just, I pray, I pray for forgiveness for my sins, Lord, and asking you to come into my heart right now, Lord. That's he said, all that, and the guy was like, "Come on, I just want to pay for my gas." <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's pretty fun. <laughs> so, um. That's <laughs> just awesome. I just love it. Um, when did you play with the, the Garmon Key Band, and, and uh, did you play on albums or just in concert? And if so, which albums? And... Okay, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I started playing with them. Um, went basically went from Morgan to Rick Kua. Yeah. Started playing with uh, Rick Kua some, and uh, then I, I believe Russia. Yeah. Uh, did some some dates with the band Russia, uh, who. 
actually Nikolai helped me uh, mm-hmm. write "Money Can't Buy," which has been one of the, right. the songs that I that I play pretty consistently. Yes. Um, so anyway, and then I went back and played on the Rock Rhythm and Rap tour, which was Morgan and Rick yep. together with Michael Peace. Right. Uh, <clears throat> I was on that tour, and uh, when all that was winding down, I came uh, came back. I had done some dates with uh, Margaret Becker. Mm-hmm. It was uh, around Christmas and New Year's. I did a New Year's thing, and Jackie Street was the band director, band leader, and and bass player at the time. You might know him yeah. from playing with Russ Taft right and, on. and with a lot of Christian albums that he that he had played on. Yeah. Anyway, so um, right right after that, uh, I was grooming with uh, Brian and. Brian Lennox and some other people, including uh, the keyboard player that had played with Rush at one point, uh, a guy named Marty Poletta. He played saxophone and, and uh, keyboards, and he's pretty prominent on the Money Can't Buy cut. Yes. He played sax yeah. keyboards on that. So um, <clears throat> anyway, he took my demo tape and uh, let Eddie DeGarmo hear it because he had done some solo dates when Eddie had put out a solo album mm-hmm. and uh, I guess when uh, when uh, what was his name uh, the guy that was Steve um, the guy that was a guitar player before me and DeGarmo and Keelan oh, he was leaving right I could look it up quick but I don't <laughs> yeah um... it's Steve I mean, he uh and he's it's got, he's got the same name as another Christian artist. It's pretty. Oh, okay. Pretty well known. <laughs> you keep going, and but, I'll uh, see if I can find it for you. <laughs> okay. But anyway, he he was leaving the band because, uh, oddly enough, he was he was uh, having trouble with his wife being gone on the road all the time. Yeah. So uh, he you know left the the group, and uh, it was funny because right. I joined them. I guess it was around 1990, mm-hmm. and within a year, God had restored my marriage. But so it was kind of, you know, it's funny the way God works in different seasons, different times in people's lives. But uh, so I uh, came in and joined them right in the middle of the pledge tour, mm-hmm. and um, so from that point on, I was with them until they they quit doing band dates, which was around '95, mm, somewhere in there. So, uh, but you asked if I played on any of your albums. I sang uh, backgrounds on on the album "Go to the Top." Yeah. So that was okay. Good. I was actually on that album. <clears throat> uh, Dana pretty much played all the guitar yes. on, on most of his albums, with the exception of uh, the song "Go to the Top." I think Aaron or uh, Roscoe Meeks played uh, the the little solo that was in the <clears throat> middle of "Go to the Top." Yeah. On that one. And even he, but, even uh, he couldn't so play really all the play guitars. Guitar on the records, I yeah. just played live. Yeah, yeah. Live with them. And then, and the, about the time that I was doing my record, which was 90, 91, uh, I started doing a lot of background vocals, some guitar, but mainly background vocals for a lot of the different uh, Christian albums. And some of that was because uh, I'd be, become well acquainted with... Uh, Chris Rodriguez and some other people who were doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And Chris was a guitar player with uh, Michael W. Smith. A good and one, too. Amy, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Amy with the uh, Lead Me On Tour. Yes. And has since played with every, everybody from Kenny Loggins to Peter Cetera. And, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. pretty much Michael McDonald pretty much yes. named somebody. Yeah. And he's played with them. But, um, so I was doing a lot of background vocals. Brian Lennox was starting to, uh, produce more Christian albums, so he would uh, call on me, particularly around the time I was releasing my album, uh, because my name was out there, and people were going, sure, yeah, get that guy on my album. Mm-hmm. So so I was on uh, Rhythm House, which Tommy Sims produced. I was uh, on a couple of different Kim Boyce albums mm-hmm. that Brian Lennox did, a Margaret Becker album, Simple House. I uh, sang and produced the vocal arrangements on Look Me in the Eye, which was a pretty big yes. hit uh, yep. on that one. <clears throat> so, uh, I mean, there was, there was a lot of different albums at the time, and, and it you know, kind of kept on going even after I 
uh, you know, once once <coughs> my marriage was restored, um, the album was out. You know, I kind of it was easier to play with the Garmo and Key than to try to try to get back into a van pulling a trailer yeah. and, and you know, do dates as Mark Pogue and Fortress. <laughs> I would, yeah. Now, they did let me do uh, Who Do I Believe live. Oh. Uh, and I think that was during the Go to the Top Tour. Yeah. You played on the Pledge Tour as well, I think. you went. Or, I did, yeah. 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 I started on the Pledge Tour, but my album came out right. uh, between uh, about the same time as the Go to the Top mm-hmm. album came out. And so they let me do uh, "Who Do I Believe" right. in the middle of, or yeah, in the middle of uh, the set for the "Go to the Top." Yes, that ring, but yeah, um, that rings a bell for me. I think I saw you that night. I think you were up in Vancouver. I'm pretty sure. Um, does you recall that at all? Uh, well, I know I've been to British Columbia. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember all of the the Canadian dates because yeah. there was a lot of Canadian dates that I remember playing with Morgan Cryer right, right there. Yeah, uh, did a whole bunch of stuff with him up up in uh, Canada. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the only things that I remember distinctly, there was a big festival in British Columbia yep. that that uh, the Garmo and Key played. Mm-hmm. Seems like it was one of the last festivals that that we played before they. I mean, we we did play the the thing in front of the. Uh, Washington Monument uh, or True Love Waits. We did that. Mm-hmm. That's a big mm-hmm. festival that we did. But uh, but I, I was out there with uh, who, who was it? I mean, the Newsboys were there. Yep. Margaret Becker was there. Uh, uh, Idol Cure was there. Yep. Which they had become my friends. On uh, we toured a lot together with Rick Kua mm-hmm. in in uh, Germany. Yeah. And then uh, Rick Kua and his band, which I was playing in at the time, would would do a mission trip over into Italy and into that area. Mm. And uh, their drummer, uh, Cliff, at the time, uh, had my demo tape, and he actually gave my demo tape to Dino Elefante. Ah. And and it sat on Dino (laughs) Elefante's dryer (laughs) in his house until Rick Kua did an album with the Elefantes. Mm -hmm. And when Rick Kua did an album with the Elefantes, uh, I guess it came up, you know, who's playing guitar with you nowadays? And, you know, he said, oh, yeah, Mark Bogue, lovely guy, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, the way Rick is. Yeah. And, uh, and he goes, oh, I think I got that guy's demo tape on my dryer. I'm going to go home and listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it was funny because at the time I was visiting uh, my ex-wife soon-to-be remarried to uh, in Corpus Christi mm-hmm. and uh, somehow the the call got they gave her they gave Dino Elefante uh, her number to get a hold of me because I'd you know gone down there to visit her and uh, he called while I was at her house and you know and said hey we want to sign you mm-hmm. we heard your demo tape we want to sign you can we send you a contract and I was going what who what 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 I mean, it just was like, uh, you know, so many things were just like out of the blue. It was, it was freaking me out from the yeah. phone call that came from, uh, you know, Morgan Cryer to, you know, Dino Elefante saying, we heard your tape and we want to sign you just like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm going, is the Elefante's from Pachyderm? So, uh, you know, so that, that came about and, and, uh, you know, that was about, you know that was shortly, and he was in. They were, of course, intrigued that that my marriage was being restored, mm-hmm. and uh, you know wanted to capitalize on that, and so they wanted to name the the album Restoration. Yeah. And so, um, so all of that kind of fell in place. Uh, Rick Kua acted as my manager. In, Oh, you're dropping off a bit there. Are you still there? Hello, you're dropped off just for just a moment there. Hello. Oh, you're just dropped off. I can't hear you right now. Are you still there? Oh, you're still there. 
I am. Oh, okay. you are. Yeah. You're, oh, there you are again. <laughs> I, I, you dropped off for just a second. That's okay, because this, this gets edited up anyway, so it's not like that uh, blank will be in the interview. I think I found your okay. name. Stephen V. Taylor. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, Steve Taylor. So yes, Stephen V. There was a Stephen V. or Stephen. I look trying to look up some name, and here's a fellow who played on everybody's album as well, similar to you. So it might be him. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Okay. So, uh, but anyway, yeah. the Elefantes called me when I was at my uh, ex-wife's house yes. and, and uh, wanted to sign me. Rick, uh, Rick Kua acted acted as my. Uh, manager temporarily at no cost, you know, whatsoever, <laughs> yeah. and got his lawyer involved, and just to make sure that everything that I was covered legally yes. when when I was signing the contract. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I mean, it was everything was uh, pretty much like a like a dream come true from the time you know uh, I said yes to the Lord and was, you know was following His pathway i mean the pathway led straight up to the mountain hey man yeah <laughs> so uh so it was it was great i mean the, the lord restored my marriage uh mm-hmm. got married in in 91 and had the five top 10 hits off of the uh, off of restoration yep. uh was still touring with the garmo and key mm-hmm. and doing a lot of background vocals on different albums um but then uh, I felt like the Lord was really saying, you know, you need to draw things down here because, you know, the restoration of your marriage has just begun. Yeah. It's not like a finished thing when you, it's a starting point. Right, yeah. So, and uh, I think the real wake-up call was uh, we were in Australia with DeGarmo and Key staying at uh, five-star hotels, and I was, you know, uh, telling my wife, yeah, this the promoter here, I mean, we pretty much just charge whatever to our room they have a japanese steakhouse here and you know and i'm eating you know plates of fruit you know (laughs) (laughs) i love the passion fruit up here and all that stuff and uh she was going yeah i'm eating macaroni and cheese and you need to pay these bills (laughs) so so you know, I I've started going. Oh, hmm, yeah, it's not. Exa- she's not experiencing the same <laughs> cloud nine I am. No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, so uh, I you know began to kind of draw back, and at the same time, I felt uh, God kind of removing, uh, almost like you you have a sense of grace for for you know seasons of time to do what you're doing. Yeah. There's a grace that covers you, and I kind of felt that begin to lift. And actually, the first time I felt that was uh, at that um, uh, concert in in British Columbia that we played. Mm -hmm. That was the first time I was, you know, I guess verbalizing to Jimmy Marks and some other the the drummer Mm -hmm. and some other people that we were playing with that, you know, I really felt like God was saying I needed to be you know, more in church and involved in worship and things like that, that, you know, I, I really, you know, hungered after the, uh, the, his presence, you know, and of course when you're worshiping and he's the direct object of, of your worship, he inhabits the praises of his people. So the presence is much stronger than if you're just bragging on Jesus and Mm -hmm. declaring his word, which is powerful in its own right, but it's just a little different. So anyway, um, so that's what I began to do is, you know, began to get more involved in, in church and uh, worship and those kind of things. And uh, uh, although, you know, I, I, even after that, I, uh, after coming off the road in, in around 95 with DeGarmo and Key, I, I would still play with other artists. I just didn't stay out on the road. Right. You know, I, uh, some of the most, uh, I guess, amazing gigs that uh, I had a pleasure of, of being involved with were with Paul Kupek mm-hmm. and his band. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you know, he remember him from uh, One Bad Pig. Yes, yes. He, he went to the same church, and he had a solo album, which was on Des Dickerson's mm-hmm. uh, label uh, at the time. And uh, there's something that, that that happened when we when we would go out and play. I mean, there's just this uh, anointing and the, the presence of God would come down and just mess everybody yes. up. <laughs> and, uh, and his songs really mm-hmm. facilitated 
that type of thing. He had yeah. one song called uh, uh, It's All Over You, The Witness of the Spirit. Yeah. And a lot of times when we did that song, uh, the Spirit of God would just show in such a strong yeah. way. I remember being in a, in a uh, I guess it was a New Year's Eve gig in, in Dallas, Texas that, that we played at. And uh, he just pointed at me while he was on the stage because a lot of times he would kind of just pace around and wait on the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. And when he pointed at me, uh, I felt the, the presence of God hit me and just started singing this song in the Spirit that was all about the church yeah. and their missions and how they were going to be sending out people and doing this and that. And I was like totally unaware wow. of, of what I was. I, it was like I was a bystander yeah. to what I was doing. Uh-huh. And then when it was over, I just kind of looked around, and Paul was was laying flat on his on his stomach on the stage with his arms stretched out. I yeah. looked behind me, and the drummer was weeping yeah. back on the drum, drum stool. And then I looked at the keyboard player, and he was like <laughs> like nothing was going on. He was just like playing, holding holding it together. I said, "What just happened?" So. So it's funny, you know. You look at one guy's weeping, one guy's yeah. laying prostrate on the, on the, uh, on the stage, and then the other guy's like, "Huh, did yes. <laughs> playing his way through it." <laughs> oh. But anyway, uh, so yeah, that was I had some great times uh, mm-hmm. playing with with Paul, and he still continues to play. I think he was just recently yeah. in Sweden or somewhere playing with uh, with one bad piece. <clears throat> yeah. But anyway. Great brother, yeah. great brother in the Lord. Oh, that's awesome, <laughs> and we have them in our yeah. library too. Good thing we have most of the all the artists you've been mentioning, so we can really play lots of music with this. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. that's great. Um, mentioning your album restoration, um, why did you have to re or why did you remaster it? Was there opportunity because um, I don't know. Was, did you have the master tapes, or they become available to you? So you thought, let's play with it a bit, or was it just because uh, to make it sound better? It already sounded great. So I'm just always curious. In some cases, remastering is just because it's uh, hasn't been available for a long time, and it's a way of getting uh, a new one at it. And so while you're at it, you uh, improve on it with our technology. So uh, yeah, why remaster it? Okay. Well, um, it was really kind of a, a side note to what I was uh, originally trying to do. So uh, in the process of, of doing the new album, yeah. uh, Through the Fire, yeah. um, people you know, would start listening to the first album going, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I remember Mark Pogue. And then when they, when they pull it up on Spotify or one of these yeah. you know, streaming services, they were going, yeah, I, I listened to you know who do I believe on on Spotify, but it it sounded you know the bass like was not even there, yeah. and, you know it sounded really thin, and they were and I was going hmm, well maybe you know I I need to do something about that and re-release it because if I release the second album, mm-hmm. then you know people are gonna want to you know go back and hear the first album yeah. as well, and I want that to be up to par because now. You know, before people used to listen to their music on big speakers, mm-hmm. and now you know because of the technology becoming smaller and smaller, people predominantly listen to things on their cell phones yeah. and that type of thing. And I wanted it to <clears throat> to sound good on that as well. And I do have all the masters yes. uh, to everything, so I, I got permission from uh, John Elefante and wonderful, and, uh, yeah. And he said, "Yeah." He goes, "I." He said he had recently done it to some of their albums, and mm-hmm. it had really good results. Yeah, and put his blessing on it. Said, "Yeah, man, go ahead." Yeah. So, uh, so I had those songs uh, remastered from the first album mm-hmm. as while you know it was almost a, a you know a second thought to okay. releasing the first album that that I wanted the the uh, first album to sound as good as the second yep. album in, in terms of of what people were going to be listening to, you know, on Spotify yeah. and different or things. Or classic Christian things. rock radio. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, wanted it to all be yes. uh, equivalent there. Yeah. 
You know, it definitely worked because we had the original in our library, and then, of course, we quickly replaced it. And uh, when we're broadcasting, of course, we have our headphones on, Mr. Bill and I. Uh, he's in California, by the way. That's uh, where his studio is, and I just play off of his. Um, and you can really tell in the headphones. That's the first place we notice, and that bass just does come through, and it, it just sounds awesome. It really does. It also, the first time I played the uh, remaster was in my car. <laughs> So mm-hmm. uh, it was. It really, really did. It kicked past. Uh, you said what was it? You said it's just uh, t- a little bit louder than ten. So it's a little bit like that. Uh, yeah, it's one louder. <laughs> that little skit. <laughs> that little skit. <laughs> that uh, what's that band? Uh, the parody band. Uh, just one louder. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you did a Kickstarter for the second uh, for the new album. I did. Yeah. Um, my wife was really instrumental in uh, in me putting out the second album because um, I probably wouldn't have done it if she wouldn't have encouraged mm. me to. Uh, but I guess it was coming the the timing was coming up on uh, on the anniversary of you know of uh, restoration and she was encouraging me to uh, you know to take some of the songs that uh, I had recorded that. You know, she thought were really good, but hadn't been released, and mm-hmm. that type of thing. Yeah. And she wanted me to put some of the new songs <clears> that <throat> I've been working on with it. Uh, so I did, and she, I let her uh, choose the songs that that you know she was going to put on on the uh, on that album. So I, you know, they were pretty much either family favorites or her mm-hmm. favorites. But she was the one that was responsible for it. She sang on "Through the Fire" yes. uh, as well. So. One of her passions is is singing, mm-hmm. although she hadn't gotten as much of an opportunity as as I have to be able to do it. Uh, she did sing on the Neil Morse album mm-hmm. as oh, well, wow. Testament too. Yeah. But um, but anyway, so she was responsible for a lot of that. She's the one that put the Kickstarter together mm-hmm. and uh, and a lot of that. And so it was it was pretty much uh, paid for going into it. Good. And uh, of course, a lot of it was done in my studio as well as uh, other studios in the area that, that you know we would either mix at or or uh, do drum tracks at. I, I would always do drum tracks. Yeah. Some major, some major studio that had the the facilities to do so. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, it worked. It is a great album. Um, how's it doing? Is it uh, selling still? It does. Um, I mean, I can usually depend on, you know, two to five copies a yeah. month being being sold. Yeah. Uh, and it's usually a combination of both, yeah. although there's more through the fires than most people that uh, were my fans still have the CDs right. of, of Restoration. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, I still move, uh, even two years after its release, I still move about, you know, five a month or yeah. so. Yeah, great. No, that's good. And Which is good for not being on on uh, you know like major radio. The, mm-hmm. There's so much promotion, yep. and so much uh, that goes on when when you're part of a record label. Yeah. They have radio trackers exactly. that try to get all the plates spinning at the same time. Which means all the radio stations you know are playing your songs at the same time. That's what makes it go up the charts. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you've been on our chart quite a few times. We have a. A request uh, every, I guess, if people put in requests, and we every month uh, do the top twenty requests for the month, and you've shown up several times. So uh, I think I've let you know if, whenever you did, and send you a little message about it. So it's good because it's very popular. It gets a lot of play, and uh, just really, really good. Um, let's talk about some of your songs then. Um, what are some of your favorites okay. to play? Uh. Well, one of the things that I pretty much always, always end up playing, and even in worship sets, uh, a lot of times, if I'm doing a, a, a worship yeah. uh, concert, I'll still end up doing "Money Can't Buy" because yeah. it's so easy to get into. Great and, song. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just uh, up front and to the point, and it's in a in a format that that people you know tend to like. So you know, it's kind of that bluesy. Mm-hmm blues rock thing so um, I mean that's always been a kind of a go-to song yeah. that that I played uh, who do I believe yeah. uh, 
mainly because it it was kind of at the top of my range. I sing it in D rather than E mm-hmm. now. Um, but uh, you know that would if you know if I'm doing like uh, we're planning on doing an, an outdoor concert sometime this spring mm-hmm. in uh, in in Nashville, uh, which would be a mix of uh, you know uh, worship type material yeah. and then whatever else I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I was probably going to be uh, be doing uh, who do I believe, money can't mm-hmm. buy, and then. Uh, you know, love will find you through the fire, and uh, I'm not decided on on which of the uh, the slower songs to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but pretty much the up songs; those would be the <clears throat> the go-to songs yes. that I would do. That's great. And I guess uh, what are you? You've told us quite a bit already, <laughs> quite a lot. What are you doing now? You're still writing and recording, of course, um, and you've just told us what music involvement you've got right now. So, uh, anything else to add to that? Well, uh, I don't know that I really formally mentioned that uh, the whole thing with Neil Morris, right. which was that was a something that uh, came out of a keyboard player that I had played with at church that uh, somehow landed in the uh, Neil Morse camp at, at the time and they needed a guitar player and so I got the call and didn't really know who he was at first but when I listened to yeah. it uh, I was just amazed at the at the music and the, the musicianship and I was like going oh my yeah. gosh <laughs> you know where where did this guy come from <laughs> another and, dimension you know, and, <laughs> yeah and uh, but I, I felt uh, I felt God on it and that's probably how I got the gig is that you know when I was considering it I was just kind of walking around and you know doing my normal business I remember being in a Walmart parking lot and I just felt the presence of God and I just started weeping you know when I was thinking about some of the songs and you know whether I should be a part of it and just felt like you know for whatever season of time that God wanted me to to facilitate and help out yeah when um when I went to audition for uh, for Neil and showed up, uh, you know, played through some things, including Money Can't Buy, mm-hmm. which you know, and I played with my, which was kind of one of my calling yes. cards that I did in most of the the concerts that I, uh, from everybody from Morgan to D and K, I mm-hmm. you know pull that, that little trick yep, out. Yep, yep, <laughs> it's your song. <laughs> yep, and um, so you know. Um, Anyway, uh, at the very end, he goes, "Well, it feels feels good. What do you think?" And uh, he goes, "You know," he just kind of looked at me, and I said, "Well, I feel like God sent me here to help you out." And he goes, "Well, good. Okay. Well, you know." And he was fine. There was a piece, a kind of a tangible piece after we had finished jamming, mm-hmm. so that's probably why he was saying, "Well, oh, feels yes. good." You know, what do you think? Yeah. So. Uh, he was at that time getting ready to do some European dates, and so that gave us a little more time to work up the songs. Mm-hmm. And there was like three or four album worth of songs yes. <laughs> that I had to learn. And uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was it was some amazing stuff. I uh, I was working a regular job, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember spending an extra seven hours a day with a metronome trying to work up all the all the different. Uh, guitar parts and things a lot of things are in unison where the whole band is doing yeah. it and they're constantly changing time that's what i was gonna say yeah time changes and all <clears throat> yeah and even mike portnoy from dream theater yeah. he came he flew out and played at uh, the festival played with us at the festival wow that we did in one of my heroes <laughs> it was just uh, mm-hmm. an amazing thing to be part of mm-hmm. but uh the thing that that uh really uh, I guess is is what I think of when I think of Neil. He's just uh, he's just another man who's just led by the Spirit. He's not really you know big and and he's big in the Christian circles, but not in the Christian right, market. right. So um, you know the <clears throat> CCM because his songs really don't no, fit that format. No. They're, they're long, they're progressive rock, yeah. but uh, he has the same effect. I mean, the presence of God showed up in the concerts. I mean, we'd be playing 
playing a song, you could just look out and, and people were breaking and weeping in, wow. in, part, in certain sectors of the songs. Yeah. And, you know, and, um, yeah, it was just powerful. Right. That, you know, the presence of God was, was there. Uh, so, you know, that was a, a real highlight, and I got to be a part of Testimony 2 and sing on that. And Matthew Ward uh, came mm -hmm. out and was singing backgrounds the same day I was singing backgrounds. Beautiful. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was amazing yeah. that the, they were singing this song about uh, the snow. The snow falls down on Mercy Street, oh, okay. which is like the opening, uh, the opening song on Testimony mm -hmm. Two. It was snowing outside when we were doing this. When we were doing the backgrounds wow. in that song, <laughs> and I was there with with Matthew Ward and my wife, yeah. who's also sang on nice. that. Nice. And we we're going, wow, that's kind of <clears throat> ironic. And we're singing about. The snow falls down on Mercy Street, and it's snowing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty amazing. Beautiful. Can, uh, can we expect another album soon or in the future? I think you mentioned before, I casually heard you mention something about a worship album, or is that Mita's idea? No, no. Uh, that was actually, I probably would have done uh, a worship album before the other album, yeah. just because I've been writing worship uh, material for quite a while, yeah. um, but uh, yeah, that's what I'm I'm planning on Great. doing. And uh, we've just recently gone through a whole another season where uh, I've taken responsibility for my mother. Now she yeah. was kind of living on her own, but now she's up in her 80s yeah. and and memory uh, starting to fail and that kind of yeah. thing. So yeah. so I moved her up here. She was still in the Houston area. And uh, come to find out, you know, the the people we're paying to to look after her, we were paying them more than I was actually making on my job. Mm. So uh, quit my job back in February. So now I'm I'm uh, we bought a, a property that's you know big enough to facilitate our whole family. And you know my mother has her own quarters and her own area where she can kind of do her thing. Mm. <laughs> So it's it's almost like a new season of time. Yes. I'm back to playing music every Great. day, uh, and I'm in the area where my my keyboard player is that I've been playing with for a while. He he was pretty dominant on through the fire. He did a lot of the uh, producing and keyboards on uh, on through the fire. So he's he's in the area probably not quite a stone's throw. He's within five minutes of my yeah, house. Yeah, that's so. close. <laughs> and. Um, <clears throat> So um, we're doing a, a combination of things. I mean, uh, for sure we're going to launch a, a, a worship project and get that underway before too long. Uh, in the meantime, we're just trying to get some income flowing through. Yeah. So we have a, a like an 80s cover band that uh, that we go out and just you know trying to to uh, do things locally that you know will will. Uh, you know, have an impact on on people in a positive way, yeah. and kind of you know playing the '80s music, which was a little bit of a happier yeah. time, and you yeah. know, a little more carefree. So it it tends to help lighten the load. There's so many people that are burdened down with everything yes. going on yeah. and in the world. So it's become such a global community that you know people are stressed and uptight, and we want to be a part yeah. of uh, you know bringing joy yeah. to people's lives. Yeah, so. music's great for that. I play in a cover band myself, so I know exactly what you're talking about. So uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen your videos; they're great stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we have a lot of fun, yeah. and uh, so we're we we've got uh, <clears throat> a date coming up in in June that we're preparing for right mm -hmm. now, and and so uh, just getting ready for that. I'm happy to be. You know, playing. There's, there's some. You, you can get much better when you're doing nothing but music. Right. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've been pleased to, you know, set up my studio at our, at our new uh, location. And you know, even though my, it's a studio, even though it has drums in the studio, yeah. we don't track no. drums there. But, uh, but it's big enough for me to, to uh, do guitar tracks mm -hmm. and, you know, any kind of uh, keyboard type of tracks and things yeah. that, you know, enough to, you know, produce the demos, and then I usually bring in the big guys, right. to, you know, get everyone involved once I have the demo yeah. of you know, a good idea of what I want to do, and then we go from that's there. That's a great way to do it. That's good. Okay. Um, that's just awesome. Thanks so much for this. It's just, I, I can't express enough uh, 
uh, with every interview I do, it just it's just so it just gives me a blessing being able to talk to people I've listened to for years and and uh, play on the radio as well. And I'm just going to turn this off here, my recording. So thanks so much, Mark Pogue, for being our guest uh, here on Time Machine, and uh, we'll be. Um, talking more a bit about how to get in touch with you and put it on the uh, website, I guess, and uh, find out about your music. Before I let you go and then talk to you off air, um, where what's the best way for people to get a hold of you or to contact you about um, your music, uh, ordering CDs or anything like that? Okay. Uh, well, I do have a uh, website called markpogue.com. Uh, you can always click on the music tab and order music from there. Uh, you could send a message, but probably the easiest uh, way for me to respond is just to go to my Facebook page, either uh, Mark Pogue uh, at, at Facebook.com or uh, Mark Pogue Music, which is my artist page on uh, Facebook. So either of those, if you message me, uh, I can answer any questions or, you know, just chat with me uh online i'm i'm pretty much online on and off the day you know just like me (laughs) (laughs) yeah great thank you so much 